You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. Check out my week one picks against the spread, my week one decider column, the start sits you need to know for fantasy football. Check it out at SportingNews.com. Here we're going to expand on both of those things here as we look at the late matchups here in Week one to kick off the 2022 NFL regular season, we broke down eight games, including the Bills-Rams Thursday night opener there for you on Wednesday. Now we're going to focus on the back end of the schedule here, all the way through uh, the Monday night game between the Denver Broncos and Seattle Seahawks. We'll get to Sunday night as well. Buccaneers-Cowboys, a big game there brewing in the... NFC, so we'll break that all down for you on today's show here. So we'll do that and take a deep dive into the things you need to know. I do have to tell you before we get into it, today's episode of Locked on Fantasy Football is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Price Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First time users can receive 100%. Instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. And uh, thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen today. We are free and available to you on all platforms there. So, all right, let's uh, dive right in. Steelers Bengals is our first game that we'll hit an AFC North affair in the 1 p.m. Eastern Time window on Sunday here. The Bengals are six and a half point favorites. Forty-four and a half is the total here. I've uh, been torn a little bit with the Mitchell Trubisky versus Kenny Pickett. Uh, how do I like the Steelers in this one? But I think they'll keep it competitive. Joe Burrow has had a lot of time off there with the appendectomy and uh, things in training camp. So look at the Steelers. They chose Trubisky to start over Pickett. Uh, one thing that is already a concern for Trubisky in his first start for Pittsburgh. Deontay Johnson is battling a shoulder injury, so we'll monitor that. I think he said he's day-to-day. I would expect him right now to play. He missed uh, practice there early in the week, but I think he'll grind it out. He's the type of guy that we know gets banged up pretty often and, and works through it a little bit, can miss time as well. So it's just a pain threshold for him. We'll see if he can go. That obviously would raise... The bar there for George Pickens being the number one receiver for the Steelers as he's past Chase Claypool in the depth chart. Claypool is more like a big slot now. They're actually kind of hurting in the slot here because the Calvin Austin's on the shelf. They did uh, sign the former Patriots uh, return man extraordinaire Gunnar Olszewski. So he's the other receiver, but the Steelers kind of shorthanded here. That would also boost Pat Freemuth and Najee Harris's work in the passing game should Johnson miss. But Johnson, if he plays, he's in there for you every week. He's one of those players that you trust at least as a wide receiver too. George Pickens, this is when he's going to start making his mark here. 
I take him as a wide receiver three this week. So you can look at him in this matchup. The Bengals secondary is pretty good. Their best thing that they have is a pass rush, and they can disrupt things with Trey Hendrickson and others up front here for the Steelers. Offensive line still a little bit better on the interior than at the tackles here in Pittsburgh with Dan Moore Jr. on the left side. So, and Trubisky's mobility will help a little bit, but not going to start Trubisky. Not going anywhere near that. He's not even a QB2. QB3 right now to see how the Steelers' offense plays out on the road here. But you think they're going to lean a lot on Najee Harris. Mealy, so he's in your lineup every week. He's a top 12 guy this week. Pat Freermuth, again, could get a little bump up with Johnson missing time, but regardless, they are hurting there in the slot and uh, may not force Claypool in there for meaningful snaps there inside. So Freermuth is a pretty solid play as well here against the Bengals. So back end tight end one, Harris on RB1 on the top end. Again, Johnson, if he plays wide receiver two, if he doesn't uh, slide in uh, Chase Claypool as an option there as wide receiver three just by having someone to throw to. Not trusting Trubisky. And uh, the Steelers' defense, uh, you could go in that direction with T.J. Watt and company, maybe hoping for sacks. But this Bengals' offensive line, keep in mind, has improved here in the offseason with some additions. So they're not maybe the pushovers here. And I, you think the Bengals' offense can move it a little bit. But Joe Burrow, to me, the t- matchup is pretty tough against the Steelers, against pass defense, better than the run defense in Pittsburgh still. So, again, Joe Burrow, back-end QB1. He's an every-week play to me. Jamar Chase, same thing. Wide receiver one every week there. I think the inside is going to be a little bit of a struggle here with Tyler Boyd. You have Minka Fitzpatrick roaming there in the nickel package. The Steelers are generally uh, better inside there. But, uh, yeah, Jamar Chase every week. I think T. Higgins stays where he is usually as a wide receiver two there. And uh, Boyd I would uh, avoid as much as possible. Joe Mixon in a really good spot. He uh, dominated this matchup last year as the Steelers were terrible against the run. He's going to get his good volume out of the gate, and he'll lean on him again. The upgrades for the Bengals said better a little bit protecting Burrow, but really uh, is going to benefit Mixon here with the blocking. So do like Mixon to have a bigger game here than Harris in this particular matchup. And again, I wouldn't be surprised the Bengals are a little bit curbed with their scoring and keeps a little bit closer. They're in the lower 20s in this game, and that would help uh, the Steelers stay in the game. So I do like the Steelers to take care of that number. And I think this game, I would avoid the over-under. It's just a little bit too tricky with that 44 and half. I think it's right on where it could be here between these two teams. All right, we go from an all-division AFC matchup to an all-NFC matchup intra-division there between the 49ers and the Bears here. So we're hoping this would be a spotlight game for Trey Lance and Justin Fields. I feel good about one of these quarterbacks. It's a seven-point spread in favor of the 49ers. They are very good on the road here in the Kyle Shannon area era and area when they move away from San Francisco and get to the central and eastern time zones. 41 and a half, so not expecting a lot from the Bears there, the 49ers should be in control, and people are being a little bit careful with Trey Lance here, but I go full speed ahead of Trey Lance. If you drafted him inside the top 12, put him in there. I think he's got the upside. The Bears defense, really not a lot after Jalen Johnson on one side. Their pass rush really depleted up front. They don't have a Hakeem Hicks or Khalil Mack, so the 49ers should really control this game here, and uh, again, Trey Lance is a back-end quarterback one. The running alone is very appealing against the Bears. Uh, Debo Samuel, lock him in as a wide receiver one. Brandon Ayuk has a lot of appeal as a wide receiver two this week. So 
Really good spot there for IU to get going. They can move around Samuel away from Johnson, and they're very inexperienced elsewhere in the secondary of the Bears. So, an inside-outside, the 49ers should have some fun in the downfield passing game. Now, one thing to watch, however, is George Kittle, another injury he's battling here, missed practice, so he's a guy that you have to monitor all week long. This is the headache with George Kittle. We love him as a player, love him as a dude, but it's just very frustrating where every week it seems like a little bit of something. And week one, right away, yeah, it's happening here. So let's watch George Kittle. You might have to make alternative plans at tight end. This is why we've been telling you, if you drafted George Kittle, you had to have a pretty solid backup there. So maybe you have a Zach Ertz or David Njoku, and you might have to go there. And uh, again, I like Ertz a little bit more than Njoku this week, but looking at it, just be prepared that you might have to pivot off George Kittle. But if you've had managed uh, Kittle in the past, you should know that by now. So Elijah Mitchell, solid game. We figure the game script is going to be positive and run downhill. So like him as a running back two that you drafted him as. He's not going to give you a lot in the passing game with check downs. You can see also a little bit of Jeff Wilson Jr. working in behind him. But uh, not going in that direction would not surprise me if this backfield pivoted away from Mitchell at some point because of the durability. But right now, He's our lead back. So the principles for the 49ers get them in, feel good about it with their offense, monitor the Kittle situation. Now, on the other side, Justin Fields, it's a tough matchup here. This Bears offensive line trying to figure things out at left tackle. You got Nick Bosa on the other side. You got uh, Javon Kinlaw healthy here for the 49ers. You got uh, Fred Warner. So a lot of playmakers there on that side of the ball. So Justin Fields, uh, don't love here. They could use Warner to spy him a little bit. So look look at that. And again, there's not a lot there that you can look at. So I would try to avoid everything I can here with the Bears offense, with the exception of Darnell Mooney and Dave Montgomery, the two DMs. Uh, slide into the DMs this week. That's your only hope here. But Dave Montgomery, I've downgraded quite a bit. I wasn't a big fan. We talked about a lot about drafting him. Well, I don't love this opening matchup, and we'll have to see what happens with Khalil Herbert behind him in this new offense for the first time with Luke Gentry. And again, Darnell Mooney is just going to get volume. The Bears figure to be trailing, and that'll get it done here. But Cole Komet, you might pump the brakes on because the 49ers can contain it a little bit, and I'm not sure... How they're going to get it done with their other receivers here. You have Byron Pringle. The rookie, Bayless Jones, is banged up here and uh, missed practice early in the week. So he may not be a go here, and the Bears might ease him in anyway. So, again, Darnell Mooney I like there as a wide receiver three based on uh, the game script and the volume. David Montgomery, I'm downgrading from RB2 to flex here. That's how tough I think this 49ers matchup is in week one for Chicago. All right, there's uh, two more games on this uh, late schedule here uh, of week one. We will actually get into the late games, the 425 window, and then uh, dive in to the primetime games as well that we have on Sunday night and Monday night. Uh, good ones this week for sure. Bucks, Cowboys, Broncos, Seahawks. So we'll do all that in our next two segments here. Before any of that, i got to tell you about Turo, the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the United States, Canada, and the United Kingdom. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from point A to point B. 
test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits into your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every tip you take with Turo is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and some exclusions apply. Ditch boring rental cars and find your drive with your special host at Turo.com. All right, uh, it is time to continue the show here and uh, continue breaking down the games of week one. Start, sit, advice here. And going in detail on the matchups for the week. Our next game is the Packers-Vikings. The Packers are slight favorites here on the road in Minnesota where they tend to struggle and Minnesota tends to play them well. One and a half points in favor of Green Bay. The over-under boosts from our first two games to 47 Let's look at the Packers side of things. We'll monitor Alan Lazard and the injury, but if he's good to go, then you're going to put him in there. He has a little bit of an ankle issue. Not 100% sure he's going to go. He missed practice early. Matt LaFleur was noncommittal. So we'll monitor that throughout the week here. Christian Watson is practicing in full, so he should be available, but they'll probably work him in slowly as he missed a good part of the offseason program after he was drafted in the second round. We'll see how much they use Romeo Dubs as a Big play threat. You might see a lot of Sammy Watkins and Randall Cobb in this game. Robert Tunyon looks like also on track to play here for the Packers. So we'll see how it uh, plays out a little bit. I think if Lazard is in there, he's going to be the clear number one target. And he's going to be a play for sure as a wide receiver three with some upside with Rodgers this week. They do have Patrick Peterson on the other side. Peterson's not bad in coverage, but they can move Lazard around. He has some slot potential as well. So... Something we'll watch, but Al Lazard is really the only Packers receiver you can play for sure with any confidence if he plays. If he doesn't play, I mean, take your chances with other guys, but uh, it gets a lot tougher here for Green Bay. So that uh, Lazard is banged up is a little bit concerning. He tends to have some durability issues, so we want to make sure that he's good to go before we trust him. That could be a lot of leaning on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I think that's going to be, in general, what the Packers do this season. So Aaron Jones should have a nice game here. The Vikings linebacker core a little bit changed here. They're stronger up front with uh, Daniil Hunter and the former uh, Packers, Zadarius Smith, also uh, rushing the passer. So we'll see how it plays out. David Bakhtiari and Elshin Jenkins, the two tackles for the Packers, are a little bit... Hurting here, they're hopeful that they'll both be healthy and uh, can deliver at a higher level as bookends this season. But this game, they might be a little bit banged up, and Hunter and Smith could be disruptive. Hunter really was a big uh, absence there for Minnesota last season. So keep that in mind. I would uh, temper my expectations for Aaron Rodgers. I think he can get the job done because, again, Kirk Cousins is going to provide some resistance and put the ball up. I'm just not sure where it's going to go. If Lazard's in there, you feel pretty good about he's going to be involved. If not, then it's going to be by committee. They're spreading around with a lot of Aaron Jones. They're out of the backfielders receiver, and I think Dylan had some success against the Vikings, so you, you might see a good volume for those two backs here as well. The Packers defense, I would not play this week. Kevin O'Connell, offensive-minded head coach of the Vikings. He's got all his weapons healthy, so I think they're going to put up some points here. And uh, push the Packers, and I like them to upset the Packers in this game. Come out with their new coach. Uh, so Kirk Cousins plays the Packers well. He can put up the numbers here with Justin Jefferson. Jefferson versus Jair Alexander will be something to watch. But nothing you're too concerned about the way they move around Jefferson as an inside-outside guy here in the formation, more so than now Adam Thielen, as they also have K.J. Osborne for their personnel. But I, 
I would not extend beyond Jefferson and Thielen. Thielen tends to score on the Packers. That's how he gets a good value. Jefferson is your stud every week. Again, Alexander can do a little bit to slow him down, but again, I like O'Connell scheming him open the way that he helped uh, Sean McVay did with Cooper Cup last season there in Los Angeles. So Jefferson, good. Adam Thielen as a wide receiver three this week. Not extending to Osborne. I think Irv Smith Jr. could have a little bit of value here. The Packers can't struggle in that part of coverage, so they don't want to force things in Alexander's direction when it's not Jefferson. They can look in the middle of the field with Irv Smith Jr. So something to look at that. Dalvin Cook has a very good history against the Packers at home, so he's a high upside RB1 in the top three or four this week, so that's where I expect him to finish. Again, the Vikings D, you're not going there, even though Rodgers has some... Tackle issues and trying to figure out other things here. There's just not going to be turnovers and sacks that you can exploit with Aaron on the other side in this game for Minnesota. All right, our next game is the Chiefs-Cardinals. The Chiefs go into Arizona as six-point favorites, 53.5. There's the total we're looking for for some points. Let's start with the Chiefs. Uh, Travis Kelsey... Could be a bit tricky matchup. Uh, the Cardinals are better with their safeties and linebackers than they are with their corners. But it's Travis Kelsey. They'll try to scheme him up and maybe use him out wide a little bit as well to do that so they can get one of the Byron Murphy or Marco Wilson type matchups. That's also good news for Juju Smith-Schuster. If you're going to start any Chiefs wide receiver, it would be Juju. He's good to go practice in full there on Wednesday. With a bit of a hamstring issue, but he's good there to play. Again, you can't trust the others, Miko Hardman and Sky Moore and uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. Too much mix-up there in the quickness and speed and who's going to be the big play threat. I think it's going to be more big play by committee, but uh, figure a lot of uh, working with Kelsey and Juju is teams, we know how they play Patrick Mahomes. They want him to hold the ball, work it down the field, uh, protect against the big plays that happen. So a lot of Kelsey, a lot of Juju. Remember, Juju was a nice big slot there for the Steelers, so... Two intermediate uh, targets that can work the inside there. So I like Smith-Schuster to pre- be pretty solid. Wide receiver three value this week. Kelsey stays as a tight end one. Patrick Mahomes more of a middle QB one this week. He's still playable every week, much like uh, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. You just put him in your lineup. But uh, to expect from Mahomes uh, a big game, I think he, you can a little bit to some degree. But I think he's more in the top five for sure. That's how I'll probably look at Mahomes every week here. But... You do have Kyler Murray on the other side that's going to help uh, push him. Now, let's look at the Chiefs' backfield. You're not going to look at Ronald Jones or Isaiah Pacheco. Don't get into cuteness. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to open the season here as a lead. So, not loving this for CEH, but he's going to be the volume back. And hopefully, he'll get it done here. Otherwise, they'll look for a change here with uh, Pacheco looming there in this backfield as a promising rookie that the Chiefs really like. So, reluctantly... Recommending him. It's kind of like our Devin Singletary recommendation there. We would like to avoid him if we can. If he's your third back, you have a better option. There is a wide receiver flex going that direction. But you might be stuck with CEH as your RB2, and you got to just roll with him and see what you get. And hopefully he can turn the corner a little bit as a first-round pick that's uh, underachieved for sure with uh, his value in fantasy. And we just want to see him more involved in the passing game, and that might help as well if the checkdowns come with Smith, Schuster, and Kelsey, uh, and having CH being part of it in this game. All right, let's uh, go to the other side. So not playing the Chiefs defense. Kyler Murray, good, solid player. I like the point total. 
So Kyler's going to have to put the ball up a little bit. No DeAndre Hopkins. We know that. He's a six-game suspension here. So where did the ball go to? Quite a bit. I think it's going to be a committee quite a bit between A.J. Green, Rondell Moore, and, of course, Marquise Hollywood Brown. It's going to be hard to get downfield. The Chiefs have that zone defense, so I could see them bottling up Brown a little bit. But he does have some good success against them with the Ravens, so he's still a wide receiver three this week. Zach Ertz comes into the play as a tight end uh, that you want to start. Uh, he looks like he's going to go with his calf injury, so that's good news for Ertz. But Ertz, when Hopkins was out, really ate last year. I think he's the most reliable shorter immediate target there for the Cardinals. That isn't thrown to James Conner out of the backfield. So Conner in a really good spot. The Chiefs' run defense still has some issues. So Conner bumps up to RB1 status this week where he finished last year on the strength of his touchdowns. I like the potential volume that's coming here versus uh, his backup. So you might see a little bit of former Chief Daryl Williams in the mix as well in uh, passing situations there he was very good in that role for the the Chiefs last year so that'll transition well for the Cardinals and a little bit of Eno Benjamin maybe giving Connor break so I don't think it's just going to be a fully loaded Connor I mean they didn't do that with him and Chase Edmonds last year he ended up taking off with the scoring so keep that in mind in DFS where you don't maybe don't just want to plug Connor and thinking he's going to get 25 that carries in this one and again, the game script should also call for the Cardinals trailing a little bit in this one. So again, I, I'm going to put the green light for Brown, Ertz, Murray there, and Connor for sure in all good spots here in a, in a potential high-scoring game. And I like the fact the game is also at home here for the Cardinals. No elements here in Week 1. And again, should be one of the better rewarding fantasy football games of the week. All right, our next game, uh, sticking with a couple teams from the AFC West, the Raiders and Chargers. The Chargers are three-point home favorites. This is a healthy total of 52 points. Now, I don't know what you're going to get from the Raiders passing game. The big break that could happen is J.C. Jackson may not be ready with his ankle injury to contain Devontae Adams in his first game with the Raiders. So that's going to be a big break for Adams. They're potentially in the works here. Chargers are pretty good covering all the receivers, but I think Hunter Renfro could have more value if Adams is on Jackson and sees that matchup. But I just don't think much goes away because all the targets really go through those three guys now. It's going to be Adams, Hunter Renfro, and Darren Waller. So Renfro, I'm going to drop down to a wide receiver four or a deep flex play this week. I look at uh, what Adams does. I think if there's no Jackson, you really feel like it could be a special potential sneaky smash spot. For Adams, they're going to try to establish him right away in this Josh McDaniels offense to uh, show that chemistry with Derek Carr off a uh, rekindled chemistry right there with the Chargers. And I, I don't want to play Derek Carr ever. The Chargers have a strong history of containing Derek Carr, and I don't care if Adams is in the mix. They have the pass rushers there, the Raiders offensive line, a little bit questionable, much like the Bears here. So Chargers still have little Khalil Mack and uh, Joey Bosa disrupting things, even if they're a little bit light on the back end with Jackson missing the game. So, again, not going with Carr, but, uh, again, I can see playing Adams run for a Waller locked in as a pretty nice tight end one this week as well. The Chargers are a little bit weaker linebacker there, but uh, Derwin James does help in coverage. But looking at the Raiders, you got to play their principles, Adams, Waller, and Renfro. Stay away from Carr. I think you can also look at Josh Jacobs in this game. He should uh, get the nice volume here. Zamir White, the rookie for now, is buried as a number three. So 
You're hoping Jacobs will catch passes and have that role here and uh, be established and it's not forcing Amir Abdullah into that role. But for now, Jacobs is a guy that you have to look at here as leads. Just don't ignore lead backs. I think he has RB2 potential this week. Now, how can I play Max Crosby in the Raiders defense? As far as the Chargers offense goes, it's roll them out loud. Justin Herbert every week, I think... He has potential to be a top QB on the board. That's how much he can put up the numbers here. Keenan Allen eats up the Raiders here, so he's a solid wide receiver two, as well as Mike Williams. Again, we'll see if Donald Parham Jr. misses the game, which looks like it's a possibility. I do like uh, Gerald Everett as a bit of a deep sleeper play. I like him a little bit more this week than Joshua Palmer, their third wide receiver. Palmer could also make some plays here against this uh, Raiders' thin secondary. So, Start him if you got him. If you're desperate in deeper leagues, you could look at Palmer. You can look at Everett in this particular matchup as well, trickling down out of what Allen and Williams get attention-wise in. Coverage, Austin Eckler, rock with him. He can uh, put up a nice opening game here as an elite RB1. Again, so start him if you got him pretty much is going to be the way we look at for the Chargers in most weeks here. But I would uh, hold off on their defense. I do like their defense quite a bit. But if Jackson doesn't play, that's a big playmaker on the back end. Their new uh, Patriots, uh, former Patriots cornerback when the interception's gone. So something to watch out there with the Chargers D. But uh, they'll be playable in some weeks. And uh, they could surprise us this one in this one and what they do here on the Raiders. All right, we still have three more games to get to. Giants, Titans, Bucks, Cowboys, and Broncos, Seahawks. We'll do that in our final segment. Make sure you're getting all the fantasy football advice you need here from Locked On Network. And it's not me here at Locked On Fantasy Football. We have Locked On Dynasty. we got our great teams of hosts there, including Marcus and Kate and Ryan and Matt. They do a great job there on Locked On Dynasty. So a little companion piece to this show here if you're into fantasy football Another show I would highly recommend. And if you are trying to prep for the basketball season, we also have Locked On Fantasy Basketball that you can check with uh, Josh Lloyd. So some really good stuff here on the network for fantasy here on top of uh, being all over your teams every day. All right, it is uh, time to close the show here on Locked On Fantasy Football and to break down three more matchups here for you. Giants and Titans, as we close our look at the Week 1 games in detail. Five-and-a-half point favorite the Titans are at home, 43-and-a-half. So like that total there for the Titans D, if you're looking for them. And Howard Landry missing the season is a big blow. Their top-edge pass rusher, he's missing it after a breakout season and in big contract. So huge blow to the Titans defense, but they have Jeffrey Simmons and others. So Titans are a very strong defensive streamer this week. Derrick Henry, running game defense, good little stack there in DFS. Derrick Henry should be back and healthy for one week. The Giants are a little bit built better just to contain the passing game. So not interested in Ryan Tannehill or Traylon Burks or Robert Woods. I want to see even Austin Hooper. I kind of want to see what we get from the Titans' new look passing game. All those vacated targets, most in the NFL, kind of revamping the entire passing game here. So really, that's pretty simple for the Titans' side of things. Derrick Henry and the defense. Everything else, again, we just want to see. I, I wouldn't rush Traylon Burks out there or Woods. I just don't trust him. And the Giants have a pretty good secondary and pass defense, as I mentioned. So all that uh, says Henry's the only individual player in the Titans as a whole there for their defense. Now, Giants side of things, uh, Saquon Barkley, yeah, you go with him. The Titans have been pretty good against the run 
of late, but Saquon, and he's healthy, so you can get him out there there for week one, much like Christian McCaffrey. If he's healthy, he's fine. He's going to be productive and be involved in the passing game, especially with some questions about the receiving core for the Giants. You're not, not going to extend to Daniel Jones. So again, wait and see approach with this Giants receiving core as well, with Kadarius Toney and Kenny Galladay and the rookie Wanda Robinson. Sterling Shepard is injured. What else is new here? The Giants. So those four guys and then seeing how it plays out, I, I just don't want to force anything with the Giants there because uh, you could get very limited returns. You could get some boom. I get it. Someone's going to have to catch the ball there and have an impact there for Daniel Jones, but it's a new offense throwing a lot with Brian Dable and Mike Kafka and figuring all that out. So again, let's pause on the receivers here. So pretty much you could also look at the Giants defense as well as a pretty strong unit here overall returning. So that you look at the way they've schemed it up, I think they will be better on, on this side of the ball. They do have the talent, including the rookie Kayvon Thibodeau, there to help disrupt things up front. So when you look at it for the Giants here, in Giants defense, Barkley, Titans defense, Henry, and that's how you look at it, especially when you look at that low point total, 43.5. I do like the Titans to take care of that number. Bucks cowboys back up to 51 is the total, 2.5 point favorites. The Buccaneers are on the road in Dallas, and uh, I think this game could go a little bit under here, so buyer beware this particular game. Let's uh, look at the Buccaneers. I think Tom Brady will be fine, but I think it could be more of a 2-15-2 outing here. Leonard Fournette lock him in as an RB1. Tom Brady back in QB1. Looks like Chris Godwin is going to play, so that's going to make you feel more comfortable about Tom Brady. Mike Evans is wide receiver 1. I think they might be careful with Godwin, so I look at him more as a wide receiver 3. Wouldn't extend to Russell Gage or Julio Jones until we see their roles here behind Evans and Godwin. Cameron Braid, if you're really desperate tight end, you can look there, but the Cowboys uh, have had some issues there, and I think they knew that, and they cleaned it up a little bit, so Braid is a little bit of an extension, but definitely Evans, there's wide receiver one. Godwin, if he plays, he's, again, you can put him in your lineup for sure as wide receiver three. And then, of course, uh, Brady and Fournette to play them as you usually would in this game. And Fournette, remember, had a nice opener against his team last year. That Brady did struggle a bit, but, you know, the Cowboys are big play-dependent defense. They still have some holes there with Trevon Diggs and the Micah Parsons there. So not playing the Cowboys D. I would play the Buccaneers D in this game, however, because Todd Bowles is the new coach. He's going to want his uh, unit to have an important first impression here. And they are loaded. They're back healthy here. Look at up front, Vitavit and Akeem Hicks. And uh, on the back end, you have Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting. And their safeties. The only person they really lost was uh, Jordan Whitehead. And you look at the other linebackers, we know absolutely devastating here. So they can make some plays for sure. Dak Prescott is going to be without Tyron Smith at left tackle for foreseeable future. You got uh, Tyler Smith, the rookie, potentially starting at left tackle there. So Shaquille Barrett and uh, Joe Tryon Shanika have some good potential here to really disrupt the quarterback here in this game. So really going to uh, peel it back with Dak if I can. He's more of a back-end QB1 there where he was drafted uh, versus uh, feeling really good about Dak this week. Ezekiel Elliott's going to be tough sledding against the Buccaneers' run defense. Uh, Vea being just a beast in the middle. So, even with that, and can see with this uh, Bucks defensive front is going to be solid. I still think you look at Ezekiel Elliott, but he's more of a low-end RB2 this week based on hopeful touchdown potential. Tony Pollard might see a little bit run, but I don't want to risk 
playing Pollard. I don't think I want to extend there against a very good run defense with also very active linebackers who can cover him as well. So no Pollard, Kirby expectations for Elliott. Dalton Schultz is going to be fine. They're going to check down to him quite a bit and use him as a target with Michael Gallup still needing a little bit of time. He could be active as early as week two here for the Cowboys here, but still CeeDee Lamb going to dominate targets, so he'll be a wide receiver one. They'll get the ball out quickly to him and Dalton Schultz as much as possible. Lamb can work the slot a little bit as well for this team. So, and Lamb and Schultz I feel the best about here. Prescott. Shaky, but still playable in this game. But the running game trying to avoid here and the defense for the Cowboys in the matchup at home against Tampa. All right, let's uh, close the show looking at our final game. And this one could be a one-sided affair there in Seattle. And usually it's the Seahawks who usually nominate. But this is a six-and-a-half point line in favor of the Broncos, 44-and-a-half. What storyline is it this game? Oh, yeah, Russell Wilson is returning to Seattle. We haven't heard enough about this game, have we? Okay, he's coming back. Now, what is he going to do there? Well, the Seahawks' defense is terrible. So I would expect Wilson to have a very nice game here. So Cortland Sutton, lock him in as a wide receiver one. The Jerry Judy situation, looking at as wide receiver three. Albert Okwabainam, you look at him as a sleeper this week, tight end. Uh, they're working it out. I don't think K.J. Hamler is going to be the guy right now early. Greg Dolchich out. Uh, they don't necessarily trust the rookie Montreal Washington. We've talked about this a little bit. So, in this uh, game, Albert O could have some really good value. And I think just start him if you've got him as much as possible. So, Albert O back and tight end one if you need him with some uh, injury issues that are popping up, including Kittle there that we're monitoring at the position and uh, Tunyon and others. So, keep that in mind. When you look at Judy, I think the Seahawks lost DJ Reed. They're a little bit weak now all over. So, Again, Judy can have a trickle down, but I love the Wilson-Sutton combination. It's going to be delivering all season. There's a good parallel there between uh, Sutton and Metcalf, DK Metcalf, for what uh, Russell Wilson left with the Seahawks and what he's inheriting here with the Broncos. So, again, good start for the Broncos. Of course, I love Javonta Williams in this game. You can look at Melvin Gordon as maybe a... Flex play here because, again, they're going to get volume. The game script's going to be positive. They probably won't want to overwork Javonta Williams, but I love Javonta Williams this week. The good chance to feature him. The game script, again, should be positive. Use Russell Wilson to get a lead here. Put up the numbers with uh, Sutton, Judy, and Albert O. Then turn it over to Javonta to play closer here. So Javonta and Melvin could really eat in the second half in this game. So love the Broncos running backs, everything about the Broncos offense against Seattle, defense stinks. This is the matchup you want most in fantasy football to start. And on the other side, oh yeah, we can also look at the Broncos defense here as well. Uh, bringing it, uh, I really like the addition of Randy Gregory. Bradley Chubb and him could be very dangerous on the outside. He had Pat Sertain too. And that seems like a guy waiting for a Geno Smith interception to take to the house there. So Seattle's a tough place to play, but Pete Carroll has a pretty empty cupboard at this point, And the Broncos are pretty solid here coming in. So I like the Broncos to cover that number and take care of it. If it was a little bit uh, bigger, I might uh, lean towards Seattle. But uh, you look at this, six and a half, uh, still feel comfortable with the Broncos winning by more than a touchdown, an extra point here this, this week. You look at... The Seattle side of things, you can't like DK Metcalf. You got a deep secondary there with Sertain. You can't like Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf still, you're probably going to default start him as a wide receiver three, but you can certainly avoid Lockett here in your lineup. So I think he's going to be a guy that you're going to avoid 
more often than not there. This is not a good time to deploy him at all against this Denver D there. And also you lost to Dwayne Brown. So yeah, the pass rush of Chubb and Gregory could really disrupt things for Geno Smith. I wouldn't be surprised if Geno gets benched mid-game and you got uh, one Drew Locke having to play. So this could be a disaster in Seattle. Maybe the one guy you look at is Rashad Penny because you know he's going to get volume. Ken Walker, a little bit banged up there, the rookie from... Michigan State that didn't get a lot of work there. So Rashad Penny is really the only playable Seahawk with confidence. Again, Metcalf by default where you drafted him. Got to put him as wide receiver three. But I don't like the Seahawks passing game at all in this one. I don't like their pass defense. I don't like their run defense in this game. So good way to close out the week. Really exploiting the Broncos for some good fantasy football scoring all around offensively and defensively while you fade pretty much everything for Seattle here in week one, a rough matchup, but not just the Wilson revenge game, but just getting a team on the up and up while the Seahawks are uh, fading and could be the worst team in the NFL, if not uh, just the NFC here in 2022. All right, there you have it. There's a breakdown of the eight back half games of the week one schedule, the start sit advice you need to know. Don't forget tomorrow we'll have some DFS advice there that you can look at to close out the week. And we'll have our injury updates. We'll have a better idea of who's playing and who's not there in week one for you. We'll do that. We'll also have a quick takeaway from the Rams and Bills game tonight. So can't wait. Football is back. And thanks again for making Lockdown Fantasy Football your first listen every day. For your second listen, now check out the Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022, an eight-episode of Stravaganza is there for you to get ready for the NFL season. Local team experts of Locked On Podcast Network, plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling, Locked On Bets, all combining into one ultimate NFL preview. Search for Ultimate Pro Football Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, for Locked On Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer. We'll check you out tomorrow as we close the week with our wrap-up for Week 1 Fantasy Football Prep.